Hey, welcome to the Eat Local New York podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Tringale. And in this week's episode, I'm really thrilled to be sitting down with Chris from the Evergreen and Rich from Eden right here in Syracuse, New York. Well, I reached out to a few people uh, this week to have them on the podcast, and um, we've got some great people coming on. The first one that I'm thrilled to have on is uh, is Rich and Chris, um, two guys who are friends, hang out together, work together. Uh, Chris, obviously, from the Evergreen, Rich from Eden, and they've been partnering with these pop-ups they've been doing in Hanover, um, outdoor events uh, here for the past couple weeks. And um, if you're listening to this today, it's uh, New Year's Eve 2020, and they're going to be doing an event tonight with oysters and potato leek soup and cocktails. So make sure you head down there and check them out. Uh, beyond that, just make sure you follow them on social media and that you check them out for um, going out to eat, ordering takeout, buying anything that you can from them because they're two great guys uh, who care about the local community here in Syracuse, the local restaurant community, and who are just doing great jobs. So uh, really thrilled that I was able to have them on the podcast, especially we have a new setup if you're watching this on YouTube, new podcast setup that I'm just thrilled to, uh, to have out there. Um, but yeah. I'm glad I got to sit down and talk with these guys for such a long time. And that's pretty much it. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this week's episode uh, with my guests, Chris and Rich. We're here with Chris and Rich. You guys have both been on the podcast before. Now you're on together. We're on together. We do a lot together. We do do a lot together. Yeah. I mean, you guys are right across the street from each other in mm-hmm. Hanover, um, and you're doing this uh, event that you're both participating in. You mm-hmm. guys put that together, um, and uh, you have something New Year's Eve with that? We, we do. We do, yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Well, okay. we're going to switch it up this this week. We're gonna, Rich is going to do oysters. Uh, okay. Potato leek soup. So we, we were doing a pop-up uh, over the holiday weekends. Yeah. And uh, for anybody that doesn't know. And uh, we did. Outside. What's that? It's outside. It was outside, outside the restaurant. Yep. We set up a pop-up tent right in front of the front door. Yeah. Heaters um, from Fish Fryer. Yeah. Yep. Oh, nice. Heaters from Fish Fryer for the wine. Uh, the first weekend we had Sweet Praxis there. The second weekend we had uh, a few vendors from Wildflowers there. That's cool. Uh, Brash Design, Tree Forts and Fireflies. Uh, Half-Baked Potter. Half-Baked Potter. What was your other favorite things? Favorite things, gifts, yeah. Um so that was nice that we yeah. had, you know, the ladies were there selling their, their crafts and stuff as gifts for Christmas. And it's set up right outside Eden, right? Like in that right, area. Right outside, yeah. yeah. So we're at 118 Genesee, and then the next door over on our building is 120, and they were set up in front of that door. Cool. Put some tents up. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I saw the pictures of it. I mean, it looked great. You yeah. know, it's an awesome way for people to get out there and do something. and it's safe. Yeah, right, in this yeah, we- world of COVID. We had all the social distance markers on the ground. Yeah, they've since been torn up by the plow, so we're gonna have to figure something out. I have, I have four more. Okay, good. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so we're doing the pop up events outside the restaurant. Um, The last couple weekends was uh, shepherd's pie, butternut squash soup. The Evergreen did the food for the last couple. Yeah, and then we did the drinks and the cocktails. So we made like hot chocolate mix with our hot chocolate bomb mix. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had like spiked coffee, spiked hot cocoa. Uh, cocktails that's awesome years ago you have to get any special por- permit for that uh and right now in new york you can do food to go or you can do alcohol to go as long as you're doing food to go to and you it's got to be in a container okay you a have to do any container. yeah right 
that people can just open up. As yeah. As well, well, I mean, you know, if, <laughs> whatever if they steel, do after the sale is up yeah, to them. Yeah. A steel container in Tennessee is like the, the top of the, the paper on the straw is still yeah, hot. Right. So, you know, it's, it's different everywhere, but, um, yeah, know, man. It's, it's, well, we people have to buy food. Going. So that's, yeah. that's, that's the, that's all the law is right now. So right. yeah, mm. we're trying to work within what we're given. Yeah, for sure. Um, how has that been managing what you've been given? Challenging. Yeah. <laughs> I would say we, we pivoted a lot of times. Um, you guys have revamped your hours and your schedule. A few yeah. Times. And our, our menu is smaller and always evolving. Yeah. Trying to take the time to try out dishes for the reopen mm, more than anything thing. else, you know? Um, I mean, you guys have no idea when that's going to be right. Nobody. Does. I suspect March. Really? Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking wow. end of February, early March. I think people will be, we might actually invest in some heaters for then. I think people will be more willing to go outside. You'll get some nice days. And my feeling is by then it will at least get the 50% occupancy back. Yeah. Which is doable. It's not great, but it's doable. Yeah. Um, I want to get back to the pop-up thing, but yeah, the, the, I have no idea. I mean, I've heard some things about like third week in January. That's nothing from any, like nobody was in a meeting. That's just people speculating that they think it's going to be third week in January, but who the hell knows? I think that's false optimism. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I've been on a couple. I was lucky enough to get, um, have people send me the Zoom invite for, there was one with Catco and a bunch of restaurant owners. I ran in, I was at the Gerhardt's buying uh, something. Oh, yeah. I ran into you around that's the right. phone call. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then like that, maybe the next week, there was one that was uh, Ryan McMahon and Ben Walsh with like 18 uh, owners from downtown on that call. I think Chris Biley may have set that one up. I don't know for sure. Um, but uh, they all said the same thing. Like all the restaurant owners were saying, let us open um, that are in orange zone. And uh, all three, Kako, McMahon and Walsh all said, we can't do anything about it, uh, but we're here to listen. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. pretty much all that happened. Their hands are tied too. So. Yeah. I don't really feel like it's that safe to have restaurants open right now either. Really? And, yeah. I mean, you're sitting in a room yeah. with your mask off and people don't go from the same house. They meet people from other households to sit at a table and take their mask off. So yeah, I do. Whether the stats show it or not, I still think it's. Yeah. I, uh, my, uh, one of our friends, uh, my wife's friends, she had gone to dinner with one of her other friends and uh, last week in a restaurant in the area that's in like no zone. Um, so they went in and had dinner and I mean, during this whole time, they've had no potential exposures or anything like that. But then it turned out that our my wife's friend, uh, like a day later, got her, tested positive for COVID. You know, so I get that. Yeah, for sure. Um I've been my my kind of view on everything. I mean, I you know, with not really being uh, in any uh, an owner or chef shoes, has been um, it sucks, but there's a way to do it. You know, like my theory has been people haven't been going out to eat even for takeout or delivery as much lately over the past like two months because they're afraid because you know numbers keep rising and because they don't have as much money as they did you know, in early days of quarantine. Um, and the third reason is because there's so much more that's open. Like there's so many other ways for people to go out and spend their money right now. I also think we're not giving people the experience we used to sell a year ago, which is a social laid back yeah. environment. You know, like, I mean, 
going out, yeah, the food and the drinks, one thing, but all the rule, it's, it's very regimented. Yeah. It's not. It's hard because we're, yeah. we're both in the business of selling an experience. You know? Yeah. Right. It's a social experience. Yeah. So what do you, know, what do, you do when you, when you take the social aspect of that away? Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, Eden is not the same if you can't sit there. You can't leave. If you can't leave having dinner from Eden and smell like a fire or smoke, yeah. which is like one of my favorite things about going to dinner at Eden, <laughs> um, then what's the point? <laughs> yeah, I mean. And if you can't go to Evergreen and sit there and, you know, look at the huge, you know, beer menu and, you know, walk up to the bar and get something different each time, you know, what's the point? Or the brunches, you know, the big yeah. brunch or, you know, whatever. Yeah, I remember those days. <laughs> Crammed in there. Um, yeah. So I've kind of, I mean, my thoughts on that, and then I look at the new places that popped up, Tangy Tomato, San Miguel moves out to Beeville. They start crushing They're awesome, them. by the way, yeah. San Miguel. I've, I've liked them. Yeah. I used to live um, right down the street from them. Okay. I haven't been there in a while. Really good. Yeah. Um, Where'd they move to? Beeville. And Beeville? The old uh, Sammy Malone's maybe out there. Yeah, I think so. It's right on. It's on the water. Okay. Yeah, um, I think it's like the downstairs that sp- that spot that's like down below. Like there's a restaurant above them, and then they're down right on the water. Um, but they had like a three hour wait for pickup and dine in. Like their week, their first week open. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, Winnie's Soul Food opens up on Su Hill, and they've got a line around the block for the first week. So people are going out there to get the new stuff. My state, my view on things, my thought has been, um, like I said, people are afraid, not as much money, other ways to spend money during COVID, like right now during COVID. And that's why they haven't been supporting like local as much. Cause I talk to a lot of owners that are struggling, like absolutely. And you guys already know this crazy, you know, worst time for business in their history. Yeah, but you know, I'll say, I mean, our numbers are atrocious right now, but they've been creeping up over the last three weeks. It's it, and, awesome. which is, I don't know if it's from other places closing or, yeah, just you know, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not going to act like I know, yeah, anything right now, right? Um, my my views changed once I listened to the podcast with Rogan and those two restaurant owners from L.A. Because uh, on that episode, on that podcast, they were talking about, I mean, California is different. They've shut everything down. Like, there's no outdoor dining allowed in California right now, or at least in Los Angeles. And um, and they were talking about, like, one guy had just spent $60,000 to renovate his outdoor. Basically, they were saying they built their restaurant outside. Um, and he finished it on a Friday. And then that next Saturday, they shut down outdoor dining. Um I just said, I don't know, Rare Form Brewery. I saw their social media. They just bought that huge tent. Yeah. And then the windstorm came and oh, it's gone. Jesus. Those things are expensive. That's this year. That's, yeah, <laughs> I man. feel like, yeah. I mean, we've done things. We bought like dividers and everything to maximize capacity. And then we, you know, we opted to shut down like a week before we were told to because the way things were going. But it's like, we've spent so much money. Yeah. On scrambling to come up with ways to, and yeah. it's like, what's the, you know, you're not getting your, your investment out of it. Yeah. We had, um, we were selling dividers, uh, at work and like the square ones for the bars. And then 
the health department went into one of the customers that had just bought like four of them. And they were like, you know, you still can't see people still have to do six feet at the bar. Even if you have the divider, really, you have to, for the bar divider, it has to be like literally floor to like way above. And, um, well, we didn't do that. Yeah. Nobody, listen, I mean, the brasserie still has the, you know, the little, you know, set up. Um, I mean, it's, the rules are vague too. Yes. And they change so often. Yes. And there isn't really one person that's like, this is it. Here's the new rule. Go tell everybody. I mean, I agree. The dividers probably don't do anything. Yeah. But, right. You know. So, I mean, can you, uh, can you both give me a brief, uh, in your own words, what the past, six months has been like you want me to start you can start <laughs> come on rich um well it's been challenging it's our first year in business so uh we didn't even make it a whole year before we got shut down mm-hmm. um so we pivoted and we started doing the groceries at home and that was great for say two and a half three months uh it's kind of weaned off and now we're we have a core group of customers that buy every single week and we really value them. And I think that they really enjoy, you know, getting, getting local products at home. Not only do they not have to go to the farmer's market or the central or the regional market to get their, their produce, but, um, which is, you know, I, I am weary about going there. I'd rather just have the farmers come to us. Um, but they also have the convenience of just shopping at home, mm-hmm. which is, I think pretty great for them. Yeah. Um, so that, that did pretty well. It's kind of weaned off so that it's sustaining itself, but it's, you know, not keeping anything afloat right now. It kind of just pays Mark's salary at this point. Um, <clears throat> why do you think that is? Why do I think it weaned off so yeah. much? Uh, I think probably what, what happened was in the summer people wanted to get out. Yeah. And so they started actually going to the regional market. A couple of times that I went down there, it was pretty packed. Yeah. Um, so I would just, you know, I know all the vendors, so I would just like park my car behind them and then be like, hey, I'm here for the squash. <laughs> just like, get it and, and leave. Um, but there were, there were a lot of people there. And I yeah. think people just wanted to get out and, and do something. Yeah. Um, and then, I, so I think that people started buying locally that way. And then we've been ramping up a little bit. Like we had a really good week last week, I think, because of the holidays. That's cool. People were buying like local meats and stuff just to... To cook for their families, yeah, uh, which is good. Hopefully, it'll ramp back up this winter. How are the hot cocoa bombs? Uh, we were selling more than we could make. <laughs> um, we're always we're always struggling to get those out. Yeah. So I have two guys that work for me now. Mark does the um, does the market, and then Derek is my kind of sous chef at this point. He's making the hot chocolate bombs, and uh, we neither one of us are pastry chefs, so. Yeah. Tempering chocolate. I'm actually going to write a blog post about it awesome. at some point, probably in the new year. Yeah. Uh, because we screwed it up so many ways that I kind of feel like <laughs> now we're experts. So that's kind of the way, you know, Yeah. the way you become an expert is just to mess it up a lot of times. They look great. Yeah, they, they came out great. When they come out, they come out great. They're very consistent now. Yeah. Did you buy those molds on purpose or were they the only ones you could find? They were the only ones that could. It's like everything else with COVID. Like, <laughs> oh, you want this size, this? Yeah, I, yeah that doesn't exist. You know? I, I mean, I think that's like a blessing in disguise because they were the most unique ones. Yeah, they uh, looked around. really cool. They look great. I picked it up and I was like, oh, we can make these work until we tried like the first 17 batches and they all broke coming out of the molds. Oh, really? Yeah. But... uh so we started we started working with uh, Tyler from 
nostalgia chocolates. Yeah. And he's been super helpful. Um, Tyler was on the podcast back in March or I think March. Uh, when St. Patrick's Day parade? Yeah, that's March. Yeah. Um, he was on right before the shutdown. <laughs> he was <laughs> right on the shutdown. We recorded his episode the day the parade was supposed to happen. When I think that was the first time that restaurants went to like fifty percent capacity. And um, on the podcast, we're sitting there talking, and we're like, "Listen, this sucks, but in two weeks, it's all going to be over. <laughs> oh, we'll yeah. be back to normal." <laughs> and I edited his episode like a month after that, and listening back to it, I was like, "Jesus." Now eight months later, and yeah. still shut down. Still shut down. Um, that COVID still exists. Yeah, I love the cocoa bombs. I really thought that that was like one of the best moves um, doing them that way. Well, I had seen I had seen that back in like July on Instagram, and I was like, oh, oh really? that's pretty cool. Yeah. And then you know, with the restaurant being closed, we had time to focus on different things. So I was like, oh, let's let's try it out. And then all like we started kind of the process of creating them, and then all of a sudden I'm looking at you know all the other pastry chefs and everything in Syracuse, it's like everybody's got them now. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it was a hit this winter, which yeah. is great. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's insane how much of those things blew up. Yeah. Um, and it's great because it's like an awesome source of revenue for a lot of these places that yeah. were making good money from them. Um, we bought a few. We bought a few from people that like just do it on Instagram, you know, and, uh, and they were really good. Yeah. You know, got a couple of the, uh, I mean, I definitely feel like my, you know, blood sugar shot through the roof for each one that I had, but, um, but yeah, they were good. It's cool to see like something creative like that, that pops out during COVID. And, you know, we have like our company motto is if there's a harder way to do it, we're going to find it. Right. Yeah, so we, <laughs> we sourced, we sourced local chocolate. That was like, you know, when Tyler sells it to us is out of temper. So we have to go get cocoa butter make sure that is in temper and then create <laughs> these class five crystals that like, you know, make the chocolate the way it's supposed to be. And then we like go and toast all the, we get dry not fat milk powder and like toast it in a pan, which is like the hardest way to do it. <laughs> uh, you know, make the marshmallows from scratch. Like we're doing the whole thing, yeah. you know, as pretty much as hard as you can. But I think at the end, the end result's pretty good. The hot chocolate comes out pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, what's the mindset been? I mean, has it been challenging to kind of like stay sane during all of this? Yeah. It's just, you know, I was talking to Jen during the first week of that, uh, from Sweet Praxis during the first week of uh, the pop-ups. And she's like, I'm out of ideas. And I was like, me too. Yeah, <laughs> like I think we're all was, out of ideas. That was the first thing we said to each other when she, she, she set her tent up. She's like, I don't I don't know what to do anymore. I'm out of ideas. I was like, I, neither do I. You know, yeah. We've been kicking around some ideas that I'm not going to say anything about them yet because I'm not sure they're going to come to fruition. <laughs> I, they will, but we need to let's not they, talk yeah, about them until yeah. we decide <laughs> yeah. that we're going to pull it off. But it's it's fun. Like it's it's great that we get to work with each other, and you know we're we're all good friends. Um, yeah. And we were in the original COVID circle together, like the the first month of it. You know. Yeah. Go over and just roll pasta, at eating <laughs> middle of the day. Yeah, that's. I mean, we we've been hanging out the whole yeah. time. Yeah. It's basically, it's like you know. Yeah. I have like six people in my COVID circle because it's been one of them. I don't really see other people all that often. Yeah. So. I was just talking to somebody, a brewery owner, and he was um, he was like, don't hang around people that are by themselves during COVID. <laughs> He's like, be really careful about who you hang out with. He's like, and you'll notice the ones that don't have like an immediate circle that they, you know, hang out with all the time or talk to. 
the ones that are just kind of off doing their own thing by themselves. He's like, especially during COVID, they'll bring you down fast. Yeah. He's like, depression is really easy right now. And if, oh, yeah. if you don't have like at least a few people that you just are with all the time, it can get pretty Yeah, dangerous. if I didn't have my dog, because it's just me at home, you know. Yeah. yeah. It'd be rough. It's, it's rough. Yeah. And yeah, we get those like midnight, like he'll call me up and be like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We do it a lot. Yeah. 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 Sorry. It's, it's good to have somebody to vent to it. No, I, I get it. It's good to have somebody to vent to. Yeah. Know? How's it been? How's the mindset been for you? Um, I mean, it's been a, it's been a whirlwind, you know, one of the biggest struggles I think is going from like 22 employees to one. Mm-hmm. That's where we're at right now. You know, I mean, there was that when we were open, we were able to bring like half of them back for a couple of months. And then, I mean, there's, there's that. And then it's just, we were in full speed in March. We had a, such a crazy year plan and that, you know, just yeah. the events that got canceled seemed like they were far away at this point. But I don't know. We've been focusing on this time around. We're focusing more on like making a better takeout product, like whether it's using more containers, like doing little things like keeping um, like lettuce and tomato off the burgers when it goes home so people can enjoy that experience more. I, I don't know. It's feels like spinning your wheels, but it's what you got to do. Yeah. I mean, really, um, no food is really going to transport well for takeout. Uh, I mean, our nachos do now. Cause we, do they? we put them, uh, we build them at home. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. Um, pizza does. Pizza know. does. Yeah. Um, some stuff, I guess it does. Um, we ordered. I think it stops at pizza. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, David Hoyne was saying that last week. He was like, you know, we sell fish and chips more than anything else. And that's the worst. Yeah. He's like, if you don't eat that right away, you know, he's like, so we have to, it's like, we wait until the last second to cook it. Oh, it kills my, so people order food, they, they'll time it. And then, so you have it done when they're ready to pick it up. We try to do it right at the time. Yeah. And they'll let it sit there for 45 minutes. It's like, you don't, you don't want this anymore. We ordered from Beer Belly on Christmas Day uh, for their like special package they did. Um, we were we had gone up to Boonville to my wife's family, and then we came back like Christmas Day at noon and Christmas Eve. We were like, "What are we doing for like Christmas dinner?" We just didn't plan anything, so we didn't have any. We had like uh, no Chinese food. No, nah, we had the only thing we had at the house were veggie tots and those boomerang pies. Have you ever had those? No. It's like uh, it's like an Australian thing, but it's um it's basically like a frozen chicken pot pie, except it's like Southwest chicken, and uh, it's disgusting. Um, <laughs> but you know, but it's really good. Um, <laughs> uh, anyways, that's like our like emergency. We always have a couple of them in the freezer. So, and then somebody posted on Facebook that they had just ordered from Beer Belly, and they were open Christmas Eve and still taking orders. So. Anyways, they had a whole package. It was like $35 for dinner and then a four-pack of beer. and um, But they came in like half pans. And in my head, I'm thinking to myself, we ordered for like a 345 pickup. And I was like, all right, we're going to get there right at 345 and rush home to make sure it's hot. Uh, come to find out that everything was pre-cooked like the day before, but it came with like perfect reheating instructions. So that worked out. Um, I'm a little leery of that kind of stuff, but it was actually pretty good. But yes, ordering takeout, you have to time it right. Yeah. Or eat it right there on the sidewalk. Yes. Which I'm not opposed to doing. No, and that, I mean, that was kind of the idea behind the pop-up was like, yeah. here's your shepherd's pie. It's hot. Right. Like, you can eat it. Go see the tree. Yeah. Get a cup of hot chocolate. 
Yeah. We'll put some alcohol in it if you want it. And, yeah. you know, enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. your holiday. <laughs> you know, it's, it's been a hard year. Enjoy your holiday. Yeah. I think people were pretty responsive and happy about it. Like, yeah, I think that was a good think, turnout. Yeah. We had a, we had a couple great days. We had, a, we had a one day we learned we shouldn't be out there when it's ten degrees. Yeah, yeah. The only day the only was, day we struggled was when it was a little cold, yeah. and that's that's like a double you know kick in the pants because it's like, <laughs> a it's five degrees outside, and b there's nobody coming, so yeah. we're like this is a waste of time, and we're freezing cold, and we have to set up break all of this down. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That sucks. But I think overall the, the people who came and we had a lot of repeat people. Um, I know we had some tenants from the state tower who came. Like, I want to say like four out of the six. They days. were really digging that shepherd's yeah. pie, man. They were, That's yeah, cool. they were back That's over awesome. and over again. Yeah, yeah. Have you noticed a lot of your customers during this time are like downtown residents? I mean, um, I know you're not asking everybody when they come in where they live, but you know, I just feel like downtown. A lot of people, like in normal times, people drove from all over Syracuse <laughs> to go downtown. Yeah, I feel like maybe my business is a little bit more indicative of that because. I would have regulars who might come in two or three times a week before I'll see some of them. Um, you know, a lot of my good regulars, like I'll talk to them. They try to like, they don't, they don't go out that much. So I know like Jeremy Nachario comes in like once a month or Natalie and you know, they rotate between a few spots, but they do it like once a week or something like that. Yeah. I think a lot of people aren't working downtown. Yeah. I think that was a lot, a lot of our business was the post work, yeah. um, dinner or meetup. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's people downtown, but I feel like a lot of those people downtown work elsewhere too. And if they're going to grab something, they're going to grab it on the way. Yeah. Uh, Rachel, who used to work at Cafe Kubal, um, and we used to go to Evergreen quite a bit and, um, after, like for beers and shit. And, uh, um, anyway, she moved to Buffalo, um, over the summer and they were just back in town and uh, for Christmas. And she was like, let's get together and get a beer. Where can we go? <laughs> I was like, I mean, it was a, it was a, Manlius. it was like an honest struggle to find a, like to think of a place that we could go uh, to get a beer. Um, it seems like there's a foreign, it's like, I can't remember. I mean, I've had beers with people, but yeah, to go to an actual place and sit like, yeah, I know. seems so far away. Yeah. We went to Toss and Fire for dinner, uh, like maybe three weeks ago, and that was that was like pretty strange to like go and sit down and have a meal. It was definitely strange for sure. Um, I feel like we kind of like I got kind of got over that when things were opened back up, and then now it's like getting used to it all over again. I know I went for my first meal when we opened up. I ate over there. Eating. Oh yeah, yeah. And then I don't think there was many other ones. I would say my last my last meal before out before we all shut down was uh that Ethiopian place. Mm. Um, I'm sp- I'm forgetting the name of it now. There's Habibas. Not I think. Habibas, the other one. The other one that was like the best restaurant and yeah, yeah. I got like CNN a CNN yeah. award. It was that was strange because we were the only people in there. Really? Yeah, it was it was kind of yeah. wild. How does that stuff work? I mean. How does how did a uh, Ethiopian restaurant in Syracuse get CNN's like? I don't know. Like I don't know. I mean, somebody's cousin's sister. Is that what it is? I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I, 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 that's what I suspect. Okay. Yeah. Some uh, of that stuff is like pay to play, though. Like I used to work at I used to work at a relay in Chateau, and like you have to you have to pay to be in that association. So if anybody doesn't know, it's like the 650 best restaurants and inns in the world. Yeah. And you have to pay to be in the association. You have to hit certain 
marks like they come and inspect your, your thing. But then like you get written up in Condé Nast Traveler because it's all like they, they basically pay for that. Gotcha. You know? Okay. It puts you on their radar and then yeah. you know, they kind of cycle through the. I'm starting to learn the the benefit of getting press this year. For Eat Local, we had Syracuse.com did an article for us, um, which wasn't even supposed to be about uh, the card. It was supposed to be about the gift card package that we were doing. And um, Don, who's – I think Don, Don coming on and doing more of the food this year during COVID has been kind of great for – because he's accessible. Um, yeah. So – I know a lot of like he's in some of the text groups of like 30 restaurant owners um, and is getting like insight into different stuff, which I feel like the post standard just hasn't had in the past with some of the other food writers, which is kind of a good thing. I guess that you don't want your journalist to really have like be too familiar um, yeah. with who they're, you know, writing about. Um, but it's been great because Don's like, I feel like been doing a great job this year with it. Uh, but anyway, so he did the article for us and then, News Channel 9 did an interview about the card. And both of those, I mean, we, I think we raised $1,000 for the United Way just from those two things in like a week. So it was pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's been amazing what press has done for us. I mean, when we started the Farmer's Box thing, mm-hmm. I think we did 20 the first week. Mm-hmm. And then we had a um, an article in Syracuse.com and then we did 150 the second week. And then... Wow. I think Channel 9 picked us up. Yeah. He looked stressed that week, I remember. <laughs> yeah, Channel 9 picked us up and we did it went, like it went from It went from, I don't know, I don't know if this is going to work, to how is this going to work? Yeah, to how, how are we going to figure, how are we going to get all this food together? That's awesome. Um, yeah, but it, you know, it, it was great for a few weeks after that. Yeah. Um, that changed. Then it changed, but it's, this whole process has been like, you know, yeah. from, from the very onset, like we were, the week before restaurants got shut down here we were in new york city at a wine tasting there was this like big gala wine event mm. we were there to see a few new york state winemakers and then we just happened to be like a couple blocks in the james beard house so i swung in to say hello and uh the same program director was there from the last couple times i'd done dinners there and we were talking about setting up a james beard dinner in the fall mm. so we were like our first year in business we were going to like go down there and like you know get some on the New York City radar, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And then everything gets shut down. And then, like, <laughs> we do the box thing, and then that, like, kind of weans off. And then we get reopen the restaurant, and we were we were actually doing really good with the restaurant, too, mm. before we got shut down again. So, yeah. You really couldn't get a table in there. I mean, we were at 50% capacity. Yeah. We're a small restaurant, but right. it was it was pretty tough to get a table unless you came in on, like, a Wednesday night. Yeah. At, like, 5 o'clock. Yeah. Just, like, when it was available. So... I was just picturing myself as you were talking, sitting at the bar again and having dinner and a couple of drinks. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was telling my, my friend, just talked to him yesterday, Jordan, and he's he he just recently bought the card. His son was coming on the podcast. He's like, but I'm like, I don't, he's like, I won't use the card because I feel bad for restaurants. In my opinion, use the card. Yeah. You know what I mean? I know I've seen, I've seen it in people's wallets even before. I've seen it in people's wallets and they don't use it. Yeah. Um, my friend, best friend, Rachel, I just mentioned last year we went to, um, like last spring we went to, or maybe the year before that we went to lunch at Oh My Darling and it was me and Rachel and another coworker and I paid for all three of us, but I used my card and she was like, Oh, I didn't know that, uh, they were on the eat local card. I was like, yeah. She was like, I was just here last night for dinner with my mom. I had no idea. I think people 
buy the card. And after the first like month or two, they like remember and they use it all the time. And then after that, they just completely forget they have it and they forget who's on it. Um, uh, and I've gotten that from like, like what you just said from some restaurant owners that we reach out to join the card, like a couple of them. And it could just be, you know, there's so many different personalities, right. And restaurant owner world, a couple of them have been like, how dare you ask us to join this and offer a discount right now. Um, and then others are like who we've been trying to get for years or, but they'll go on Grubhub and give them 30%. Yeah. Yeah. That is, uh, yeah. we looked into that at the beginning of this whole shutdown because we never did take out food. Yeah. yeah. Although Grubhub has put us on their website and me too, too. You've, a couple of times yeah. and we both, we both freaked out at them because it's like, it's he, a pain I, I, I emailed them and never contacted me again. And I got home and they texted me. Well, we had, yeah. And then had, I, I have the text thread. It's pretty, Yeah, I was not nice. We had somebody show up. We had a Grubhub <laughs> driver show up at our restaurant back in February and I had I had run home for something and, and I got a call from the restaurant like, "Hey, Grubhub is here. Are we on Grubhub?" And I was like, "No." So I called them up. They're like, "Oh yeah, we offered this as a free service to you." And I said, "I don't want your free service." And they said, "Well, you have to email us that we yeah. need to stop doing." And I was like, "That's like me putting your house on Airbnb and telling you you need to email me right. so I stop yeah. renting it for you." And it's not just the email that gets you off. You then have to go through yeah. the process once you email them. Yeah, we try. We about a year and a half ago we. We're in the process. It just wasn't worth it. But we were going to sue DoorDash because they were, they were doing that to us. Yeah. They show up sneaky, come in, and like I remember, like the, I called up and tested it, and just told them that our hamburger was ninety five dollars. They hung up with me and they called back. And but um, it's <laughs> it's obscene. Like yeah, that was like the last act that I had to deal with at Cafe Kubal before I went to Gearhars. Was we had one cafe on. I think it was DoorDash. I forget which one it was. It was Grubhub or DoorDash. But then they just added all of the cafes on there without yeah. telling us. And, and um, it's like an outdated menu. Right. Like when ours was like our menu from when we opened. Yeah. And it, <laughs> I think they did it just for like their investors. It was like, you know, look, we just added, you know, yeah. thousands of restaurants across the country. We're doing yeah. so well. Um, but I Grub- think lawsuits are built into their business model. They're like yeah. the garbage company or the waste oil company. Right. You know, all their profit comes from, yeah. you know. I've been trying to start a local version or get people to start a local version of it. Um, I started looking into it back in, like, March, like how it would work. We've what schemed on that a few times. Yeah, we, yeah. At, in Burlington in the 90s, we had one. It was called Five Star Delivery, and it was the same thing. Yeah. You, call into, you, you would call into Five Star, they would call the restaurant, place yeah. you order, and then they would come in, like, 45 minutes. So my dad started one in 2007, 2008 here in Syracuse. It was called Takeout Express, and it was that. You called one number, and that was their office, and you placed an order from the restaurants that they worked with. Ambrosia was like one of their big restaurants. So um, That's where the fish fire was? Uh, Ambrosia is where Margarita's is. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, back in the Steve Samuels, that was I think, the door was the, where fish fryers. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, Steve Samuels, I think, was one of the chefs at Ambrosia back in the day. Back in the day, it was like they had the freshest, like their sushi, their fish would come in swimming was like the thing every day. Okay. Um, so, uh, anyways, so that's what you would do. You call one number, they would call the restaurant, place the order, dispatch a driver, um, and then they would work out like. 
they would get a discount off the menu price from the restaurant, and then they would also charge a delivery fee. Yeah, um, yeah they had that in Rochester in the oh, really? early two thousands. Okay, slamming menus or something like that. Okay. Same idea. Like, yeah, uh, there's a place in Cuca that does it. It's called Cuca to Go. They have an app. Um, I don't know how successful that it is, but you know they have an app that they do, and um, a couple of guys started it there. I have issues with, though someone else delivering your food. Yeah, you know it's like once it's if you give it to the customer, they go home and they can do whatever. But if you have someone you don't know, right? It's not just them sticking their fingers in it or anything like that. It's like are they going to like get gas and? Yeah, I feel like it's different though with a local company. Like, you know, a place like that five yeah. star place. It's like if the people are vetted. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be the same drivers. I mean, there is a guy from that works at Digital Hive who's like an account manager or something who decided in I think Mar- May, April or May, to do to drive for Grubhub for like a month to see like what the experience would be like and how and he made was making like nine hundred dollars a week doing it. Um, and he was doing it after he would do it for like four or five hours after he worked his normal job. Um, and he was making good money. You know, he was saying a lot of it is like fast food. A lot, you know, for the orders that he picks up would be like McDonald's and Wendy's and all that shit. And I mean, that's my theory is that, you know, Grubhub and McDonald's created coronavirus. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Sure. It wasn't Jeff Bezos. Yeah. He's making out real well. on Well, maybe the three of them. Is that your real theory? Yeah. Please tell me what that tell, explain. Well, that it's like you can't count Uber because they lost all their ride shares. So, right, yeah, it's their way of taking out Uber Eats. Is it that they created coronavirus or that they spread it? Both, both. Okay, yeah. <laughs> they delivered the bat <laughs> in Wuhan. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Um, well, back to our uh, our pop up for this week. Oh though. yeah, yeah. pop up. Yeah. The thing we started on. I know. Yeah. yeah, 40 minutes ago, we started talking about the pop-up. <laughs> it's all right. I mean, I know you're doing... So it's New Year's Eve, mm-hmm. right? Yes. What time does it start? Five. We're doing five, right? Five. I mean, five I thought we were yeah, doing five, three. I, I put five to 9.30 <laughs> on the... Perfect. Yeah. People are excited about New Year's Eve shit from restaurants. I've yeah. gotten like 40 DMs this week. Me too. And it's like, we. I felt kind of bad that we're not doing something like... We did date night package before... I just didn't want to go through that with doing the pop up as well, we're and then do that in the new year, I think we're gonna. That's cool. We're gonna take their. They have a bunch of candles left over. We're gonna steal them. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, we yeah. share everything. Yeah, I'm, I'm being serious. We do. <laughs> well, we ordered. Uh, I mean, we had the catering from Eden, and you were there for you know for that. Which great job, by the way. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. I I tried it like the the scraps oh, did right you? after it went yeah. out the door. Derek yeah. was like, "Here, try some meat." Actually, yeah. Mark was. Yeah. <laughs> the, the the meat was good. I would murder somebody for that tortellini. I would yeah. legitimately murder someone if it meant that I could get that tortellini again. Well, you can buy it. I could buy yeah, it. Yeah, you don't have to murder I'm just it, saying yeah. that if I had to, if it came down to it, and that was the only thing that I could do to I get it. I think that was 2 a.m. tortellini, too. Uh, that was 2 a.m. Yeah, we were yeah. there until 2 o'clock in the morning. That shit was amazing. That's what, you should, that's what your brand should be. <laughs> yeah, 2 yeah. a.m. Can't sleep. Insomnia yeah. tortellini. Yeah. yeah. That'll be the next restaurant. <laughs> um, yeah, throughout COVID, this has been. So New Year's Eve started at 5 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, starting at 5 p.m., New Year's Eve. Uh, so we do have, I don't know when you're going to put this up, but you can order I'm by. A, I'm probably going to have it out tonight or tomorrow morning. Okay. okay. Yeah. So it'll be too late, but you can order by 2 o'clock today. 
Okay. Uh, for for dinners. For dinner for yeah, uh, for prepackaged to go dinners from Eden. So you okay. get like soup and we're gonna do this again for Valentine's Day too, so maybe people will watch and remember it. But you get like a cup of soup and an entree and a dessert. Cool. All for <laughs> there's set prices for each yeah. thing. Um, and then well, day of, we're doing. He's going to be shocking oysters out front. Yeah, so we got some wow. great oysters coming from Maine. Um, I asked for pemaquids. I don't think we got pemaquids, but we got some from a bay right around Pemaquid Island. Okay, so that's exciting. Uh, we're going to do potato leek soup, also hot food outside. Yeah, I mean, people can walk up on New Year's Eve starting at five p.m. Yep. Five to nine. You get a heady topper. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, they, yeah. yeah nice. Petty Topper, the Evergreen's doing cocktails. So last time we did cocktails and the Evergreen did food. This time we're going to do food and the Evergreen's cool. going to do cocktails. Okay. Um, right. And we're also scheming up something else for a pop-up on a certain day of the week that I think people be into. Might, might be really into. Yeah. The, B, um, the B word. <laughs> yeah. That's our clue. Yeah. Uh, um, is there anybody else doing the pop-up with you, a sweet praxis, or anybody doing something this for New Year's Eve or just you two? Else, we're the only ones that are dumb enough to do it. Sorry, it's too cold for everybody else. <laughs> um, forgot about the microphone. Uh, yeah, we're the only Good ones job, that are dumb Mark. enough to stay. Yeah. Right there. yeah, poor Mark. I make fun of him, Mark. If you're listening to this, which I don't know if you are, uh, <laughs> fuck you, Mark. <laughs> but I use Mark as the example with every guest for the last like, yeah, three you did years. use that yeah. last time, yeah. <laughs> and I don't like just leave it as like, hey, my friend Mark. I always say, do you know Mark Palo from Farm Fork 101? <laughs> He's a great guy, though. I, I love Mark. Yeah, um, I'm surprised he stopped talking during the entire podcast because you know I work pretty closely <laughs> with him. He's all day long, you know. Really? Like, yeah, yeah. I feel I, like, lo- I love him to death. Yeah, yeah. Like, sometimes I'm like, Mark, I wasn't listening to you. Yeah, <laughs> Mark is one of my favorite people just for his sense of humor, which you know I feel like is. Uh, I feel like it takes a while to get to know Mark. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, once you do, he starts throwing in these like. Random little one-liners mm-hmm. that are pretty yeah. fucking hilarious. He's qu- he's real quick-witted too. Yeah, like we did uh, we did a dinner on the top of the what, was that, what building was that? That's uh, Co- the common space one. Uh, Ocho, what is it called? Um, oh, I don't know. It was called Summer in the City. It was an event, like, yeah, a yeah. year and a half ago, maybe two years ago now. And we're all up there, and we, I put out this beet salad for everybody to try. And this thunderstorm came through, and you could see there's a crack of lightning behind him. Yeah. He's like, "These beats are electric!" Like, just yeah. like, yeah, right, right on the money. He's he's hilarious. He's really quick with it. Uh, um, yeah, yeah it's a great guy to have around. So I will always remember the Garbage Boys. Uh, what was it? Stinky. Oh, Garbage so yeah, the Boys. Yeah. Quarantine Boys. <laughs> quarantine yeah. Boys. That's what it was. We did this. We did a cooking video. <laughs> we did like two cooking videos yeah. at Eden. Uh, oh, I walked for, over that day. Yeah, yeah I never right. watched yeah. them. Yeah, and it was. Uh, what was that? It was greasy and stinky or something like stinky. that? <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe quarantine boys need to make a uh, revisit to the internet. Yeah, I would. I would love to do that. Yeah, I, we, we talked about. Was that when the camera was overheated? No, that was. No, that was a different. We did a we did a cooking demonstration for a bunch of SU lawyers. I'm also going to plug this on your podcast. Yeah. We are doing corporate events uh, yes. along with Team Adventure. Um, okay. So they have a team building uh, component to it. And then we will package everything up that you need to make dinner or dinner for one or two people yeah. uh, in a box, kind of like we do our, our uh, produce boxes. We package everything in a box for you to be able to make dinner at home, and I'll, I'll walk you through it. Awesome. Um, and then yeah. I think you're going to actually film those. 
Sweet. Um, <laughs> when we get, when Great. We, yeah, we did it. We did a test run, but but then things yeah. got. I was supposed to go to Dallas, and I didn't end up going. Yeah. Anyway, um, you're supposed to go to Dallas. Yeah. Wow. Uh, but land anyway, what's that? Texas is the land, land of the free. <laughs> Texas is the land of the free. Yeah, yeah. I used to live in Texas. Did you? Yeah. Lived in Colleen, Texas, Fort Hood, Texas. For You're from years. here, though, right? So I, I lived in, grew up, born and raised in Kentucky till I was 13. Okay. Moved here. Uh, moved to Ohio, moved back here, moved to Texas, moved to California, Texas for a week, and then back here. Okay. Just one week? One week. I moved back, and um, I moved back after living in San Diego uh, for a month with a, uh, I was a Manny. For about six months, I uh, I uh, worked for this family who was a foster fa- foster care family. So they had thirteen kids uh, from the ages of two to Mormons. 12. No, um, definitely Christians. Uh, I worked for a church in Texas when I was out there part time as their stage manager, um, and then part time as this family's Manny. And uh, so the family took a month long trip out to California and they bought a house where they're out there. So I lived out there with them and to help care of the kids. And, um, and uh, yeah, so then I moved back to, t- I went back to Texas and um, I was there for like three days and hated it. Uh, and I called a buddy back, lived back here and uh, he was like, Hey, you know, Metro mattress is hiring. If you want to, you know, talk to the you know vice president and, so I emailed the VP and I was like, Hey, I'm thinking about moving back. If there's a job, he was like, yep, there sure is. And so I fit anything that would fit in my Chrysler Sebring at the time and drove back Nice. and in a week in like a, I think maybe it was a two week period of time. I had driven from Northern California, like an hour from the border, Redding, California, down the, down the state to San Diego, stayed there for a, like a night drove that whole family back to Texas, uh, to central Texas, stayed there for a week and then drove myself and my Chrysler, uh, from Texas up to New York. Wow. And that was a two week period. It's a lot. And I slept in my car on the trip from Reading down to San Diego and then from Texas, uh, to Syracuse. And I would, I would love to do that right now. Back then I smoked still. So I smoked like Marlboro lights. Are we, are we gonna quit next week? I I no. hope so. Yeah, <laughs> we we make this packs pretty regularly. Do you? Yeah, I'm I, quitting smoking. Then I look across the street and I see Rich smoking, and I'm like, "Well, I'm going to the store." <laughs> I know if I don't hear from him the first day, yeah. he's probably smoking cigarettes. Yeah. So, That's yeah. hilarious. I when I met my wife, we had two. We each had like our own hang up that the other person had, and for her, it was that I smoked cigarettes. And so I literally like quit cold turkey. And two days later, I went into the hospital with pneumonia. <laughs> Are you serious? I like I was See? yeah. I was smoking at work one night, and I walked up like two steps and started coughing. And I went inside, and I was like, "Oh God, I gotta quit." I threw the pack of cigarettes in the trash. And literally two days later, I was like coughing up blood, and I was in the hospital with pneumonia. <laughs> But it's been it's been over three years since I've had a cigarette, and uh, I would kill for one. I know that it would like make me very sick if I had a, a cigarette right now. I'm unfortunately going to enjoy one. Yeah, post this. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. That's the thing is like you know you, you do when you quit. Like I quit for like eight months or you know, okay. six or eight months. Like a year, definitely a year and a half, I think. Really? Yeah. Then you smoke that first one, and you like and you feel totally sick. 
but then you're right back on the train. Yeah. Like for, me, for me, it's like I'm either a non-smoker. I can't smoke yeah. casually. I'm either a smoker. I'm or very a envious of those people who can smoke like yeah. three cigarettes this weekend and then nothing more until right. a month later. Or yeah. yeah. No, that's not me. I'd have to go through. I was I was going through a pack a day, and it was amazing. It was, really, it was amazing. It was really great. <laughs> Driving across the country, just smoking cigarettes. Well, you know when you're quitting, that was when I – was successful in doing it. It was the driving that always, yeah, because it's like this habit. It's like start your car. It's warm enough. Roll the window. Down. Wait, I don't even care if it's warm enough. Yeah, roll yeah. the window down. I haven't lit before I get in the car, so it's yeah. Turn on the mute. Turn on some music yeah. or a good podcast. It also just... wakes you up when you're like driving. You know, you're yeah. I'm one of those people who likes to drive as much as I can. Yeah, at one shot. I don't need to stop. Back in the day when I was like twenty. 21, 22, 23, I would smoke like once every couple months. And so what I would do is I would go pack, go buy a pack of cigarettes at like a gas station at like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. And at the time I lived in Westvale and I would just drive route five out to Auburn and chain smoke. Listen, I would get a cup of coffee at Dunkin' Donuts and I would listen to like Damien Rice and just chain smoke out to Auburn. And I would have like five cigarettes by then, and I would feel sick, and I would throw the pack out the window <laughs> and then drive back home. And I would do that like every two or three months. Training. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah. training. Yeah. <laughs> Getting ready for yes. my, my career. All right. Well, this New Year's Eve, uh, which is tomorrow, right? No. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Tomorrow. Tomorrow, 5 p.m. If you're listening to this whenever I release it, it's uh, December 31st. And uh, yeah, pop up outside of Eden. Yep, five food, to nine thirty. Get booze. Um, get some get some fresh shucked oysters. Yeah, uh, yeah. some cocktails to go. Support local. But what are you putting with the oysters? You're doing. Uh... I think we're gonna do lemon juice, horseradish, some kind of cocktail sauce. That's still a little bit up in the air. We might do a hot sauce too. How are you gonna serve them? Uh, shucked on the half shell and a bed of salt. Know, on a little bed of salt so they stay like, you know, oh, you've nice. seen them at, yeah. the, at the restaurant. They, we put a little bit of wet salt on the bottom so they stay okay. upright. Yeah. And then uh, whatever condiments you want. Yeah. Can people sit there and like eat no. them and keep a distance? They can stand. They can stand. And actually, Hanover Square is full of seating. Yeah. There's Basically. Yeah. Chess tables. Right. There's fountains that are. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've never seen any chess play at those tables. I have. One I've seen it once or twice. Once. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen heroin cook there more <laughs> often. <laughs> Uh, Nodding in Hanover. Yeah. Yeah, Hanover Square. Yeah. Um, we did a video with uh, Kristen Andrzejewski, who's running for Common Council this year. And I was, like, doing videos for her. We met there on, like, a Saturday. I didn't know she was working with you. Yeah. I, that, was, that was surprising. When we dropped off the catering, it was surprising to me. Yeah. She started uh, – she was there before I was. Um, so she's been there for over a year. Okay. Yeah. What is your role there? Tech, uh, marketing manager. Okay. Yeah. I don't mean to pry. I'm just curious. No, it's cool. I don't care. Uh, yeah, marketing manager. Um, they actually reached out. Mark was going to be listening to this, my boss, uh, one of them, uh, listened to the podcast, and he was on a trip uh, with D'Onofrio to uh, a customer out in Ohio, and they were listening to the podcast, and I think from what I understand, D'Onofrio was like, oh, I know Anthony, and Mark said, tell him to talk to us because we're always wanting to hire like you know new people like good people he said so um i was at kubal at the time went in and interviewed twice and um had real long meetings with them 
they just weren't doing anything for marketing uh, at all. Um, and so we're like the biggest competitor is Websterant, you know? Yeah. Um, I've also been burned by Websterant. Have you? Yeah. We've heard that. We hear that a lot. It's, it's rough. I just bought some kitchen equipment when we read ours and then we ended up going, you know, Mike, obviously yeah. Mike's the man. Yeah. We, we just, I actually got a refund for our charbroiler, but which was took a lot of yeah. harassing, Yeah, but from Webstaurant, from Webstaurant. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough to be a local. It's tough to like really get the local support when you're dealing with like essentially the Amazon of like the restaurant equipment supply world. You know, I mean, Webstaurant has so much cheaper and some stuff. I don't, I don't. But, That's debatable. Yeah. Plus, it, when you go like like to plug Gerhardt's a little bit, when you actually go there, yeah. Like if the it's not like Lowe's when you go and you ask someone like, "Where do I find this? What do I do?" and they give you some like bullshit, right? If they don't know there, maybe it's fear from the higher ups that like, but like they'll get you to the person that knows, yeah. And then you just get like a straight answer, like right. Yeah. The cool, the great thing about Gerhardt's is that we have people like Shirk. Yeah. Mike Shirk has been at. He's the man. I yeah. like. I, I call his self. I need something like you know. Yeah. And like he also can like. You guys switch locations, whatever merged. Right. He can still find anything like. Yeah. And, and he just knows the number. Like it blows my yeah. mind. That's like how do you? <laughs> how like, do you memorize numbers like this? That? Is like, a souffle lid. Like. Right. <laughs> the thing I love about Gerhard's is that there's so much experience inside that building, um, that. We literally have an employee who's worked in every area of food service at some point as like their career. I mean, we have Eamon Lee working there now, for God's sakes, you know. That was the whole thing when we catered that Christmas party for you guys. Yeah. It was like it was like one <laughs> o'clock in the it was joke. one o'clock in the morning, we're making tortellini and and um you know, we're talking about the, the dinner tomorrow and and somebody was like, What's wrong? And I was like, I'm just I'm just stressed and they're like <laughs> Well, why? Why are you stressed? I was like, because this is for a bunch of chefs. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah. Eamon Lee is going to be there. Yeah. Anthony D'Onofrio is going to be there. You're going to be there. I didn't know Kristen was working there. I was like, yeah. this is, you know. Yeah. And uh, um, Greg. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Greg Rode. Has Greg been, Rode. I mean, he's, yeah. he's, you know, basically started Rosalie's Cucina. Yeah. Um, Just to probably, too. So the catering that you guys got over there, it, it was. Um, unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when they first told me that you guys were doing it, I was like, how the fuck is Eden going to do this for everybody? Like, Eden's an experience. You yeah, know? so I, I was, yeah. you know, I asked you a million questions about it. I'm just, I mean, it looked great to me. Right. I was just curious how it was. Oh, everybody loved it. Yeah, it was phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely phenomenal. Um, from the steak to the tortellini to the vegetables, you know, even the you know the salad, it was like, Jesus The lettuce. Christ. We, we were, he was ripping the lettuce apart when I was talking to him in the morning. Yeah. That was some beautiful lettuce. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was local, I'd imagine. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. agbotic. Oh no, farm girl greens. That's yeah. Where you get it from. Yeah. I mean, it really it was, was like red leaf bib or something. Or? Uh, yeah, it's called, um, it's great. Yeah. Butter lettuce. Nobody's ever had a, ba- a better like corporate catered meal before than we had that day for our Christmas. Party. Yeah. I mean, that's, phenomenal. that's what we were trying to do. I'm a lettuce too. Like I've, I've worked for him in various capacities. And, you know, you're at Eden, you know, the sale's not even listed on the menu, you're going to get it. It's it's just, what, what do you want to call it? It's just a break, right, between the small plate and like the... Like yeah. or... Yeah. Yeah. And the people, people will scoff at it and look at it like, oh, it's just lettuce. Yeah. <laughs> with, like, some dressing on it. And then, yeah. like, 
you see him eat it, and then it's like you turn around, it's gone. Right. And then, like, they want more. Yeah. And I just got a, I got a message yesterday from somebody that's been like, so we have, we have like a lot of very loyal customers. I feel like the people that, that shop with us, our customers, are yeah. very loyal and they like, they get it. And we're hoping to find more of those people out right. there. But, um, <laughs> I, I got a message the other day on Instagram, like, this, the dressing that you guys put on the salad, like, can you bottle that up? And then I got a message from Anthony yeah. Gerhardt's uh, the other day, and he's like, somebody wants to buy your aioli, like, by the gallon. They, <laughs> they brought some of the, the extra home, and their family put it on everything. Wow. I was like, okay, well, yeah. that's probably well, the, the chimichurri is what you should Yeah, that chimichurri, chimichurri is, is like my retirement plan. See, I, I am very fortunate to be close to him because yeah, every, uh, every secret there is, it will just tell you. Yeah. But, uh, I don't clue, want to know the secret. Clue is... It's not that complicated. Yeah. None of it's complicated. Yeah, none of it is. Well, maybe if you look at it on paper. I mean, Eamon today, which, you know, is at Gerhar's uh, doing nothing but It's attention to detail. Yeah. That's what I want to – like, if I could sum up what you do the best way, it's every step, every action you take is deliberate. It's the argument I had with Cody, dead issue. It's he believes that chefs are craftsmen. I believe they're artists. Like I'm never going to be like you could teach, like take me through every art class and how to fucking draw something. I'm never going to be able to fucking draw something. You're an artist. You know how to do this. Uh, No one. It's not like anyone can just learn it. You have to like combination because you got to like, you know, you have to put the work in. You have to you have to figure out the craft part of it. There's, there's a whole, I mean, right. there definitely is a craft to it. Yeah. But once you figure that out, and once you figure out the reasons that you do it, the, the deeper understanding, this is what I learned at Hand of the Wood. That's what he always teaches me. This, this, is, like, this is the key, right? The deeper, the deeper part of that is like, if you figure out why you're doing these things mm-hmm. in this order. Like, I, I worked for a chef mm-hmm. before I worked at Hand of the Wood, and she's a great chef. But I asked her why she did something, and she's like, that's the way they do it in Burgundy. I'm like okay, well that that doesn't explain right. you know why cool. why we're doing this. But then mm. you know I worked for Eric at Hen of the Wood, and I started to figure out why we were brining stuff, why we were curing stuff, why we were taking the steps that we're taking, like why we cut all of the garlic with a knife instead of just throwing it in the Cuisinart. Yeah, it's and there's there's reasoning behind it, and once you figure out all the whys, then you can kind of put it all together and build build on that. Yeah, to to you know build your crafting skills right and then once you have mm. that kind of in place then you can go for like the artistry but i'm, I'm not a big fan of people that like you know I, like dominique Crenn is a good example right i respect what she does uh, immensely i'm not that kind of person like i i'm not going to write a, a poem to explain my menu right. i'm not i'm not that artsy like at, at the end of the day we're feeding people for sure and that's just the way that i come at it like different chefs are are different you yeah know? um but i think that there, there's definitely a craft part of it mm-hmm. and then the artistry comes in with like you know okay these two things kind of go together how do we make a match so that they like that they jive and that one doesn't overpower the other yeah you know like, i know i always jokes and says like if they can make it harder they will yeah but like from i've been fortunate enough to observe a lot of the process and not to give away anything with a steak or whatever, but whatever, you know, he, he does the, the curing ahead of time. But the way that steak is treated there, if you, it's, and it's whether Rich is doing it or staff members doing it, 
it's there's it's very specific it's like rested cooked it's like it's so deliberate yeah and if there's a reason for it yeah you know yeah it's cured it's slow roasted it's like you know it's just so deliberate and it's like you like you realize like it's like if you're out of steak you can't just grab a like you're not going to serve a steak that you just have sitting in the cooler because you can't go through like you're it's out gotta of. Got to go through a process. Together. Like he's like that's your brand. You're not yeah. gonna you know. So it's like you're out of it. You're out of it. You know. Yeah. It's like like I don't even get steak there. I'm obsessed with this chicken. Nobody does chicken like that. Um, yeah. So I mean, chicken. Yeah. But yeah. also he like he tried it. It didn't really pick off. But the the take home cook yourself yeah. meal with the instructions. I bought one of those. Um, beginning Mike of COVID, both got it. Mike, w- yeah. Mike was like astounded by yeah, the. I was. T- it was. I mean, you missed. There was some stuff on the ingredients, like that you didn't say we needed whatever, but whatever. <laughs> That's detail stuff. Yeah. But the thing is, I was like, oh my god, this is actually like, you know, whatever you do, he debones it and just leaves the the leg bone in. Yeah. All like I, uh, I just leave the arm like the, yeah. the, the like the airline breast. But it was it was like simple. It's like you have a hot pan. Yeah. You sear that skin, and you flip it. Then you put the kale on. You don't flip it. Or you don't flip it. Yeah. See, I already forgot. Don't flip your chicken. Don't yeah. flip it. But then you put it in the oven. And it's like you pull you it out, and I'm like, like well, I have almost made an Eden meal. When you feel like you should flip it, don't. Yeah. Yeah. It's like my, my cousin Daniel. Respect first contact. My cousin Daniel, that reminds me. Well, the skin me. also protects the breath. That's, that's oh, the whole right. point. Yeah. yeah. My that's cousin. like duck, right? Like you like that the way, proper way to do a duck breast? Yeah. Yeah. Is to like just. I, don't, I will flip. I'll flip a piece of meat. When I put butter in the pan to cool it down. To cool it, see? Yeah. My cousin is a drummer. One of the best drummers I've ever heard or met in my life. And he would always tell me one of the biggest mistakes that drummers make is when you feel like you should do a fill, don't. When you feel like you should flip your meat, don't. Let it sit a little bit longer. Yeah. You know, wait. Don't open that rice. Right. Let it sit. Yeah. You let that steam out, you've just lost it. But I could take... Uh, a thousand classes from you on how to cook food and never produce the exact same thing that you produce. You're a guitar player. You like you can cover the Beatles or fish however many times you want to. You're never and you can practice and get phenomenal at playing that song. Yeah. But you're never going to sound like whoever. Actually, I got a kind of good compliment the other day. Somebody I was I was playing my, my acoustic guitar. Yeah. And for anybody that doesn't know Fish, uh, Coventry was their their last show before they broke up. Okay, and uh, the guitar player was wasted the entire weekend, <laughs> so he played a horrible show. But I was playing my acoustic guitar in the house, and somebody was like, "Hey, uh, they they walked into the room and they were like, is that Coventry? Is that sample in a jar from Coventry?'" <laughs> and I was like, "Just just kind of like." awestruck that I was putting even the same like even if, if Trey was yeah. playing his horribly. name his guitar <laughs> alias is filthy rich with a P too just yeah. so everybody knows um, yeah just to even be putting that in that same vein I was I was pretty yeah. excited now I'm not saying that you're a bad guitar player no but no my point is is that there is something that is in your DNA that makes you cook the way you do that makes you like that produces a certain flavor and, and more than anything I think a feeling of your food that I don't care how talented I was. I'm never going to replicate. It's it's touch. It's like Quest Love wrote a book about it called something. That I think you about. have like a deliberate thing too. Like he showed me once, like looking at when you were before you were opening, you'd gone some other places, 
that you respect and like i think you kind of stay true to this like on your menu like you're comfortable like it's syracuse market you're presenting to you're like okay with like one thing in the description being something that people don't aren't familiar with yeah because you make it so approachable like it's nothing at your place is not approachable like and i could like you know i've worked for chefs that are like at the end of Little Washington, Patrick O'Connell, great chef, like amazing what he did to the town in, in Little Washington. But he puts words like Lily Pushin on his menu, and it's like it just means small, yeah. you know. It's it, it's not like, but it's it's meant to be this grand artistic thing, you know. I know Lily Pushin bed of, of onions, like it's, yeah. It doesn't, you know. It, yeah, I, I get it. I get the flowery language, you know. But the, but Lily Pushin means that it's two dollars more or whatever. Yeah, it is, exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and I don't know, man. I just I feel like. And maybe it's just coming from somebody who like appreciates food more than anything else. But um, there, I, I feel like, and maybe you know, there's definitely a segment of the world's population that feels the same way. And maybe that population isn't as large as it, I wish it would be in Syracuse. Um, but there's a romance with food, and there's a romance with the preparation and like that artistry of food. Like I, I think I, everybody I, could realize that. Think of like the average man thing. Like what my grandma used to make. Like yeah. that's where they yeah. keep it. They don't allow it to come into the yeah to that like business right. focus. You know, which is shame. Yeah, yeah, it's challenging. Like I mean, um, you know, when David was on the podcast, I said this to him, David Hoyne, and he was talking about like the struggles they've been going through, and I said it to him then. Like every other restaurant owner that I've had a conversation with, as they're telling me of how they're struggling, in my head I'm thinking, all right, you could do maybe you could do this, maybe you could try that, this might work, maybe this will work. Thinking of ways to like help them get more. And when David was talking, and I'm thinking of Kitty Hoynes, I'm like, I don't have any fucking ideas. You're Kitty Hoynes. Like, what are you gonna do? Start serving like pizza? You know, serving feel- Jameson and Guinness on the street. Like, right. what you, what yeah. you, I mean, they kind of do that. But, yeah, but it's yeah. But I feel the same way about Eden. Yeah. Now you've you have, I think, on point, pivoted in certain ways to like make yourself more accessible during COVID. And certainly, like we we took our core values and basically packaged them up and we deliver them to your house. So it's, it's local food. But that's a, I'd imagine that's a struggle. It's not like yeah. oh, we're just going to start doing this. Just, you know, just so you know, I think everything is a struggle. At, yeah. at Their motto, they if we can make it hard, they will. If, yeah, we can. I mean, we don't have any gas in a restaurant. Yeah. I don't know. I'm <laughs> not trying to be a dick, but that's like. Yeah. I've heard you. I've heard this said for entrepreneurs, and, and I've related to it from time to time. I don't know if you guys relate to it also, but that is every day it's an up and down. Like today I feel like what I'm doing for Eat Local may be great. And tomorrow I could feel like it's a whole bag of shit and none of it really matters. And then the next day, uh, maybe I'll feel like, all right, it's okay. I don't know if you yeah. feel that way about the rest. You know, so I was thinking I about do. like our, our pop-up from both weekends looking at it. I'm like, I won't tell like the numbers part of it, but it's like, so part of me, it was like, this was great. And I look, I'm like, ah, oh. the amount of effort I just put into that for the re- like based on normal times, you know what I mean? Like you look at it and you're like, but that shouldn't discourage you, you know? Like, yeah. and what, why are we in the business? Right. It's to, it's it, to make people happy. It's to make people know? happy. And it, if you have a bad sales day and you can still make one person or a couple people, ha- like you're doing something right. Like, yeah. 
You know what I mean? Things will turn around. Yeah. Mm. I got a customer on a really crappy day a couple weeks ago call in and just thank us for how we packaged the to-go. And I can't tell you what that – it was like you just made three months worthwhile because everything else, it's just, you know, you're sliding – you're trying to, you know, crawl uphill and you're sliding down. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough – it's a tough business to be in. I mean, maybe the toughest, right? And uh, also the greatest. Yeah. Right. In some ways. Yeah. yeah. There's some awesome benefits to it. I mean, uh, this industry. I don't know about that. I'm just, that's just me like lying to myself. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's challenging for sure. It's, yeah, I mean, uh, you're right about the emotional roller coaster. Like yeah. some days, you know, I, I'll go into work when we were open. I yeah. Mean, I'll go into work and I'll feel like totally, I know the food's good. But for me, it's that like, you know, we talked about this one of the times I was on the podcast. Like I eat all night. Like I try everything. And the duck and taste when it's not. Yeah. When it's not like that blows my mind. I'm like, ah, totally uninspired. Like this is, you know, I, I kind of picture like that movie chef where like he's flipping stuff over on yeah. the counter. I don't do that. But like because right. I because I don't want to be that kind of person. Yeah. But. But it is kind of it's kind of like that, like yeah. emotionally when it's not when everything's not perfect. Maybe that's but just isn't like that my isn't psychology. that the test of what it is? Like think about like the the suckling pig roast at Buried Acorn, you know? Yeah, everything's going wrong. Yeah, but you how you pull it together? Yeah, when it's all like you know yeah, with I mean? some like Viking stuff, where, yeah. like <laughs> light a couple of boards of cedar on yeah. fire. <laughs> but my I mean that's what you know. It's like okay, maybe it's not blowing my mind, but I'm gonna salvage it like. Yeah, it's it's not like you could set out today and everything's like that's a restaurant and it's you can't be like this is how today's gonna go. Yeah, no. Well, you have constant like you have constantly changing everything. It's it's not like manufacturing where like you have this piece of steel and you need to weld it to this piece right. of steel, you know. And and everything is always consistent. It's it's natural. It's food. So like it's never the product you get's never consistent. So yeah. what you do with it depends on what you see in front of you. Yeah. Hmm. Which kind of goes back to your whole like touch thing. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I don't ever want the day to come where I think that I could replicate what like a great chef could do. Like there's, there's no amount of cookbooks I want to read. There's no amount of instructions. And I was saying earlier, like Eamon, like back at Gearhars today, we're going to test out um, how sour, like legit sourdough bread will cook in a uh, like rationale combi oven. Oh really? Okay. Which is gonna be pretty fucking cool. I'm gonna yeah. do a. We're gonna do like a time lapse tomorrow of the spring inside of this thing. Are you putting so it, not in, doing a, it like in a Dutch the... oven, or are you just gonna like throw it in our sheet pan? I believe I don't know for sure, but I believe he's just putting it in there. Um, well, it's got the steamer, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that combi okay. can do pretty much anything you want. Those things are ridiculous. Yeah, they're like they're, the, they're like opposite of what we do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and they're like fifty thousand dollars. I know. Um, which is about what our hearth costs. So. <laughs> but Eamon is it? But today, with no ventilation, with no ventilation. Yeah. <laughs> but today he's doing all of his like folding it, you know, all that shit. And um, and he, uh, I was right before I came here, I was taking pictures of him, like you know, taking his Levin, which he was up at four a.m. this morning, you know, getting it ready for you know starting the process today. The thing that I respect the most, I, I love Amen for a yeah. lot of reasons, but the thing I respect most about him as a human being is that he is so into that sourdough starter. He like, yeah. he is, he's like, I feed it 12 hour increments <laughs> regularly. Right. Like he is so into it. And it's, it just like, it warms my heart. You know? And, and he has all of his instructions 
and proportions uh, and like, you know, weights uh, put out on this tiny half sheet Excel spreadsheet uh, thing. And I'm looking at that and I'm like, all right, so that's everything that a person would need to know no. about yeah. making sourdough bread, according to Eamon, right? Yeah. But I'm if I looked at that and followed it in every detail instruction, I'm never going to make a loaf of bread the same way that Eamon does. And it's no. because he's an artist when it comes to it. He knows what he's doing. It's, you know, it's just the things that you're looking for, and you work with things enough. It's like, you know, gluten. It's a whole. There's a, there's a really great book that uh, it's called Tartine. Yes, yeah, Tartine. Mm. Look at um, me like I know. Tartine. That explains. I just high finished it last dose. week. <laughs> that explains high, high hydration dose like that. Yeah, and and Eamon's read it. I'm sure. Yeah, but like he like he. Brought me. He was meeting with Yemen. Remember Yemen? Yeah. From uh, the oh, stoop. Oh God damn it! I wish that guy. His was bread here. was. I, I mean, we we talked for. Ugh. He he was meeting with Yemen, and he was like, "Hey man, I'm I talking to Yemen like about bread. Like you got to come down here and." and Maybe that us. sums it up. Great bread. How yeah. hard is that to get? It's not <laughs> the easiest thing in the world. No, it's not. I mean, there isn't like stoop is doing a good job now. But like five percent yeah. of like overall bread in this world or less is. Yeah. Is probably great. Yeah. So that's like, you know, and I would say Utica bread, possibilities, they're stretch bread. When I first moved here, because I'm used to, there's a, there's a bread company in Vermont that makes amazing bread, you know, not to compare everything yeah. in Vermont to here, but, um, possibly I didn't like stretch bread when I first moved here. I now see the value in stretch bread and I think it's amazing. Have you had the patisseries out in, uh, from the Sherwood? I haven't had the patisseries. I'm going to get you some uh, patisseries. I heard there was some kind of like animosity. I don't know there, exactly but. the history of it. I just know that somebody st- like created stretch bread and then somebody left and started something else and stole it. But I don't know okay. if the patisserie was the one that stole it or if the or possibilities was. Or if the original person who invented stretch bread is no longer. I forget what it was, but there is some, there's something there. Yeah. I don't even know what stretch bread really is. Like I've never yeah, I've been told it's, which is, this is not accurate. But um, <laughs> some people on the internet have just have described it as like the, the East Coast sourdough. Okay. But I don't think stretch bread exists anywhere outside of Syracuse, like Central New it's York. It's like chicken riggies. Like. Wow. Chicken I mean, Riggies is not okay, an Italian. Hold on. Chicken right. Riggies is not an Italian thing to anybody watching. Yes, it's, it's not actually an Italian doubt. thing. Chicken Riggies is It's just is something that somebody it. came up with here and now right. it's a, yeah. Uh stretch bread though is somewhat legitimate. Yeah. I mean it's I'm, good. I'm, I'm sure stretching the gluten has something to do with like <laughs> When I was a, when I was a kid my grandma would always get I, I don't know if it was it, what it was called. I think the building is on the north side. It might be Nino's now, but she used to always have the semolina bread. Yeah. And that, that I've never in my life been able to find a bread like that. They're out of business. Mm. It's, it's just gone forever. That's yeah. like the beauty of bread, though. It's like, I don't know if it's the it, same it's the thing. the person who makes it. I swear. Like, yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, it's a very, yeah. it might be subtle. They might follow the same recipe, but it's just something. Yeah. And water. in France, like, I was reading that book, that, that Tartine book. In France, they have, there's one baker that makes his own dough, proofs it, has his own wood fired oven, mm. his or her. And they do all, they do the process all the way through mm. and then somebody quality controls it at the end. And if you're screwing up, like to wow. they mm. tell you, yeah, which is pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. So it's it's just all freedom you. Loaves. What are freedom loaves? I don't I don't know know people call French fries. 
Freedom Fries. Oh, Freedom Fries. Yeah. Talk about the French. <laughs> <laughs> Wonder Bread, I guess. Wow, that was such Freedom an Loves. old and good reference. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, all uh, right. This was great. I know yeah. this was great. This is uh, this is pushing the longest podcast in local New York podcast history. So, and I'm, so half of friends. Congratulations! It happens nine thirty in the morning. I know, start with coffee and move on to Heady Topper. Uh, and if my boss is listening, this is recorded on a Saturday. Uh, anyways, thank you both, uh, everybody listening uh, tonight because we're probably going to release this in the morning. Uh, so tonight, New Year's Eve, twenty twenty, go down to Hanover Square, go to Eden. Find both Evergreen and Eden there. Oysters and Hetty. Cocktails and uh, Hetty Topper and yeah. Uh, yeah. oysters and potato leek soup. We'll be putting something up on uh, Instagram later on today. Cool. Tag us and we'll share it. Okay. Cool. Done. Awesome. Thanks, right. guys. Thank you. Thank you.